During the month of December, we've been trying to answer a question. Does anybody know what the question is? Anyone know what the question is? Can Jesus still change our, your world? We've been answering that question for, this is the fourth week that we've been looking at that. And we've been finding something. That Jesus really still can change the world. He changed it 2,000 years ago, but he still changes the world today. We found out that he can change, when Pastor Bruce preached, we found that he can change us, the world, in our worlds, by helping us to prioritize worship over self-indulgence. He did not say we could not have his mother's fudge, as I recall. He just said, but I cannot. You did not, hey. You and I will, but nobody, there's okay, to share Okay, now, I, well, I would like a piece of that. Did you bring any home? Okay, a small little piece on Tuesday. Small. <laughs> um, because um, they were just at their family celebration in northern Wisconsin, central Wisconsin, and came back for church last night. And so he talked about the fact that, hey, it's, okay, it's, it's good and right to, to celebrate, but let's prioritize worship first. Second week I talked about, can Jesus change the world? And I talked about the fact that Jesus can because he can change our priorities so that we give generously towards things that matter most. And last week Pastor Paul preached and he talked about Jesus can change our worlds. Um, He can change our chaos of our world into a celebration of his reality. Now today we're going to spend one more week thinking about this. Can Jesus today, you know, can he really still change our world. And and what I want to do now is I want to boil it down to its most basic application. Can Jesus change our world? And really, what we've done already today in church has preached the sermon for me in in the essence that we've had four living sermons today saying that Jesus really does change our worlds, our individual worlds. You notice the way it's written up there. Can Jesus still change your, our world. Can he still change your world? Not only the world, can he still change my world? And we've had four living sermons today expressed through water baptism saying that Jesus still changes the world. You see, during water baptism, we have heard that Jesus changes lives, that that one life at a time, as each person receives Christ into their life, the world has changed. As David said, I want to be a new person. And we know that comes from accepting Christ, but then the symbol, symbolism and the very real spiritual impact of saying, I'm standing in front of people and saying, my world, I want it changed. It's real. Water baptism cries that out and says, Jesus still changes the world. That's um, what water baptism is all about. It's about celebrating his very real, God's very real activity in the lives of individuals and then celebrating it as a church family and saying, we're all in this together. And now you're really one of us. Those who have been baptized, those who say we're going to live for Christ. You know what, friends? That's the why we have done water baptisms today. I think some people, if you said, you know what, at church today we had water baptisms, they'd say, on Christmas? Really? Why would you do that? The why we do it at Christmas, because this is the best day it could ever be. Because it's the ultimate proof that Jesus can still change our world. That he still changes lives one person at at a time. Because, friends, as, as we celebrate Jesus as people's personal Savior, we recognize that this is really what Christmas is all about. You know, I think it's good that we have the pageants and it's good that we that we'd celebrate the story of Jesus coming. But you know what? Christmas really isn't about a babe in a manger. That's really not what it's about. We, we make that the important thing, but that's not really what it's about. 
Christmas is really about a Savior for the world. That's what the Christmas story says. Sometimes we read the Christmas story and we miss the point. We think it's about all the details around, but the Christmas story literally says to us, right in the story, what the message is all about. Grab your Bibles. Turn to the book of Matthew with me, and let's look at the Christmas story, maybe fresh this year, from a different perspective. I know we often read the Luke, the, the Luke, the Luke version of the Christmas story. We want to do the Matthew version today. The first chapter, starting in the verse 18th verse, and I want you to look at this and say, what's the Christmas story really all about? And it tells us right in the text. Starting in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Look at verse 21. It's the heart of it. It's the heart of the Christmas story. It's the why part of Jesus' coming into our world. It says this in verse 21, And he came to what? To save his people from their sins. He understood why he came. He came to save his people from their sins. That's what the whole wonderful series of events at Christmas that we make pageants about is really all about. He came to save his people from their sins. See, I got a newsflash for you. This is a revelation at Christmas time. Jesus didn't come um, to get gifts from the wise men. Christmas wasn't about packages of gold and frankincense and myrrh. It wasn't about, I was going to say Nintendo, but that, we don't have Nintendos anymore. What do we have now? PS3s and Xboxes and Wiis and, 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 and iPads. And everything. It's not about all that. You know, Jesus didn't, didn't come for that reason. He didn't come to get gifts from the wise man. He came to save people from their sins. Now, that's one statement. He came to save people from their sins. In that statement are some incredible truths, some incredible realities involved in this statement that I think we really need to briefly consider this morning. There's three of them. And we'll just look at them real quickly because I think unless we kind of think it through, we could miss what it's really saying, that he came to save his people from their sin. The first reality or truth involved in this statement is simply this, that people do need saving. That people do need saving. You know what? People might not know it. You can be ignorant of it. People might deny it. People might fight it. People might say they're smarter than it. They might say, I'm, a, I'm an individual person. No, I take care of myself. I don't need anything. But it doesn't change the facts. That people need saving. You know, God says all people need saving. In essence, what he says is that all people are lost and headed for destruction, and they really can't do anything about it on their own. Now friends, that's the picture that God paints of humanity. When he said he'll save people from their sins, is that people need saving. 
That's the picture God paints. Now understand something. The reason he says this, that people need saving, is because of the second truth that's found in that statement, in the heart of the Christmas story. And it's this. It says that people need saving from something. And the thing they need saving from is what? It says it in the text. From their sin. That people need saving from their sins. You see something, friends? God understands that man's greatest enemy is sin. Scripture says it like this. It says that, that the wages are the result of sin is death. That it's physical and spiritual death. God said, you sin, you shall surely die, Adam and Eve. And they sinned and they died and every person since then has. And people need to, to be saved from the results of sin in their life. Rescued from death. That's what Christmas is all about. God himself said in the middle of the story, verse 21, this is what Christmas is about. I'll save people from their sins. Well, I want us to understand that maybe a little clearer than we, than we do today. And I want you to grab your Bible and turn with me and see how the Apostle Paul talked about it in Colossians chapter 2. Turn with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2. Looking at just a couple of verses in there. Starting in verse 12. You there? Colossians chapter 2, 12 to 14. It's going to start off talking about water baptism. Water baptism in Christmas. Having been buried with him in baptism... That's what we did today, right? Have been buried with Him. Who's Him? Capital H? Jesus. Have been buried with Jesus, Him, in baptism, in which you were also raised up with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions, which is sin, when you were dead in your sin, dead in your transgressions, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions or our sins, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us because of our sins, which was hostile to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Look what He points out here. He points out that people are spiritually dead in their transgressions and sins. That sin is like, he says what? A certificate of debt that no person can pay off themselves. And that that sin debt keeps people separated from God, spiritually lost, unable to free themselves from its hold. Now friends, that's not a pretty picture, is it? That's not a pretty picture that God himself paints of humanity. All people are lost. All people are bound with a, sin, with a debt that they can't do anything about. He says it's like a certificate that says you are a debtor and it's put on you and there's nothing you can do to take care of it yourself. That's the picture that God paints of humanity and it's not a pretty picture. But now everybody do something with me. Everybody say something with me, three words. I'm going to say them, you say them with me. I want you to say this. But Jesus came. Ready? But Jesus came. Christmas. Then we talk about a Christmas, but Jesus came came the most wonderful thing about the christmas message verse 21 he came to save his people from their sins that's the third point he came to save people from their sins jesus came to save people from the hopeless condition of bondage to sin which results in destruction and in Colossians, the verse we just read, Paul describes it like this. It says, Jesus cancels out or puts an X through. He cancels out the certificate of debt. And it, says, it tells us how he did it. 
He took the certificate of debt, it says, and he nailed it to the cross. Jesus came as a baby in a manger and lived the perfect life and became the Savior of the world through death on the cross so that he could take our sins upon himself. And it was those sins were nailed to the cross, it says, when he was nailed to the cross. And he wrote across it in his own blood, paid in full. That's what the cross is all about. That's what baptism is all about, saying, I've got the certificate. See, here's my old life. It says, debtor. But look what's written across the top of it in the blood of the Lamb. Paid in full. That's what it says. Jesus nailed it to the cross and paid the debt. And you know what? And when he raises us up with himself in freedom and victory, that's the result of saying, I've had my sins forgiven. forgiven. And that's what water baptism is all about. It's a celebration of the freedom and the victory that we have in Christ. So we ask ourselves a question. What is Christmas really all about? Is it really all about a baby in a manger? No. That's the beginning. It's all about verse 21 of our text, that he came to save his people from their sins. And friends, every single time we baptize someone, it says this. It says, your coming into our world has changed a life. Our coming. Can Christmas still change our world? Every water baptism says absolutely yes. Your coming has changed a life. No more bondage to sin. Now we have new life in Christ. Friends, Christmas is all about Jesus changing the world one soul at a time. Amen? Does that make sense today? Amen. Well, you know what? I hope that in here today, that every single one of you has come to know Jesus as your life changer. That every single one of you, no matter how long you've gone without knowing Jesus in that relationship, that today it's become a little more clear And you understand that Jesus came into this world to save you from your sin. And if you've never asked him to write paid in full across your debt, you're still a debtor. And that what he wants to do, that the Christmas message, the Christmas miracle, is that he wants that every time we say, Lord, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and make me brand new. He says, I receive you. And he writes, paid in full with his very blood across the debt that held you in bondage. And friends, if you haven't done that today, Christmas would be the perfect day to ask Jesus to really come into your life and give you a new start by having your sins forgiven. Amen? I want to pray for you today and with you today. Would you bow your heads with me?